Wednesday. Welcome everybody to the show. You know, everyone's trying to figure out what's going to happen with peak season this year, aren't you? Does it mean the end of your business? You're going to have some great imports? You're going to keep freight moving? Well, here's the bad news. It's going to be tepid, according to Freightos. Check out this chart right here. They just put out this demand planning chart using some of their most recent data, and it says right here, only 50% of small to medium-sized businesses plan to increase import activity during peak season, 57% of SMBs report a decrease in consumer demand. 74% attribute that slowdown to inflation. Good news? Only 17% of shippers report supply chain disruptions. Things have unwound. Although if you're looking over on the ports on the West Coast, well, shippers are. They're getting a little nervous. They called out to the White House. They called out to Biden. Said, could you settle things over there? Here's the bad news, too. Trucking won't be able to count on peak season imports to prop up this depressed market with demand where it is. In fact, CNBC says exports fell 7.5% in May from a year ago, far worse than the 0.4% decline predicted by a Reuters poll. Not sure who they were polling. A head of China economics at Capital Economics says the decline was so sharp that export volumes are below their levels at the start of the year after accounting for seasonality and changes in export prices. My buddy Jason Cook says, at this given moment, we see significant downside pressure and rates becoming more and more pessimistic on peak to half recovery every week. Join the club. Join the club. All right, guys, on the show today, let's get to what's on deck here. On the show today, I'm talking to Clean Harbor's Cody Bullock and F2F Transport's Chris Gonzalez about the NASCAR race to declare the fastest team in freight. We're going to recap our NASCAR racing experience event at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. We're going to talk about maybe their views on peak season and what's good over at Clean Harbor's and F2F. We got Zoom CEO, the uh, most handsome founder in freight, Mustafa Azizi. He's going to share tales from the world of fraud and double brokering. He's going to talk about building or buying freight tech, the joys of owning a golden doodle, and maybe even the worst strap work he's ever seen. Then we got super trucker Justin Martin to bring that driver perspective, that view from the cab. He's feeling a sense of relief after House Bill 1457 passed in Washington. It forced his shippers in Consonese to provide bathroom access to truckers. We're also getting into why some Drivers, don't wear their seatbelts. Big new report from the feds here. And naughty, naughty, guys. What are you doing out there? Wear the belt. Uh, Tales from the CB radio, a season with no peak. Another train truck collision. Best dog beds for truckers. Whether Apple Vision could work for freight and a lot more. But you know what? Mustafa is right here, right now. So let's bring him up. It's Mustafa, CEO and founder at Zoom. What is up, my man? What's up, buddy? I like the artwork. It looks like the cover of the Downward Spiral. Where are you sitting right now? I'm actually in a hotel room in Silicon Valley at the Plug and Play Summit. What's going down at the Plug and Play event? How's my connection, first of all? Uh, it's getting a little bit better now. How, how's the uh, Plug and Play event treating you? It's good. I mean, you'd think Silicon Valley would have You're dropping a little bit on the mic. Guys in the back, is he dropping a little bit on the mic, or am I just hearing things? Guys in the back? Somebody? 
He's fine. They say you're fine. All right, you're fine. So it's just dropping on me a little bit. Hey, I got to talk about something before we do. Right before I went on air, I ran into a dog. My doggies are at home, and I miss them. And uh, I heard you got a nice little golden doodle. Let's take a look at this doggy. Who are we staring at right now? That's Monty. Man. How long you had Monty for? How old is Monty? So Monty is a year and six months. Big Heat fan? You think they're going to take the Nuggets? Come on, man. It's it's all about manifestation. Yeah, you did think, you not see the last game? You think you think that doggy's a bit like uh, the the Jimmy buckets of uh, the Golden Doodle world? You know it, man. What so? What do you learn at? What's good at Zoom? What what message are you spreading over there over at Plug and Play? So essentially, we've developed a software platform that kind of combines the shipper, the trucking company, and the broker. Uh, we think we have the best in class system that exists in the industry, and. Um, Really, when you come into the game, um, let's say you're a, our target is large enterprise brokers. So if you have over 30, 40, 50 employees, you definitely want to listen to this message. Um, so when you're looking at a new system, you really have like three choices, right? Um, you could build it yourself, but the economy is not really supporting that. Uh, you could go buy one of the big four legacy providers, but those guys are like um, a sinking Titanic and they haven't reinvented themselves and all of them have become Nokia and now they can't change it. The third option is to go buy the smaller TMS systems and pa uh, patch together a quilt that's not viable for a large enterprise. We feel at Zoom that we've actually built a software platform with a marketplace with your customer and carrier portals and it's branded and it does everything you need in one tool. And then we also have an app store where you can connect to all the other third-party stuff you want. Um, we think it's the best-in-class system that exists. Uh, I call it BI uh, FI, uh, built by the industry for the industry. And uh, the thing that's really validating it two years into launching it is that we have uh, brokerages running at 15 loads per operator per day. And the industry average right now is about five to seven. And this year, we're going to push that to 30 loads per operator per day. So if you're feeling the crunch of freight, if you're feeling the crunch of the economy, Zoom is that efficiency app that can take you into the next level and it's branded to your company. Okay, well, what makes you think it's the best in class? We heard some fluffy language there. You really propped it up nice. But, but what is it doing better than, than anything else that I could have out there? Or why can't I build something custom? What, what is the issue? Why is it, what is better about this? In turn, and, and from your customer's perspective, not Zoom's perspective, what makes it better for your customer? So really what differentiates us is that, number one, it's really quick and launched. Uh, we say something like, if you're a large enterprise, right, if you're a billion-dollar company, We'll get you off the ground in 12 weeks or the first years for free. Yeah. Okay. Who can say that? Uh, second thing is that we'll train you and upgrade you forever. And you'll always have the most cutting edge technology. The third piece is that we have data and a lab that will prove to you that we can get you to 15 to 1, which is like the the magic number that everybody would like to hit. So we look at it not so much like a, a fluff play. We look at it as... Give us the platform and let us prove it to you through the scientific theory. Interesting. You got a good use case from, uh, from one of your customers recently. How are people using Zoom these days? Yeah, when I first started talking to you um, last year, um, we were just launching it. You know, We had our own digital brokerage and we proved it out as the lab grew. Um, now we're kind of exiting that model and just looking to enable the industry with the best tech platform possible. And right now we have four enterprise customers. So if anybody wants to connect with us, I'll connect you with them and you can talk to them and they'll tell you that, Hey, we got off the AS 400s. 
We got off the systems and Zoom is the real deal. And uh, by the end of the summer, we should have three of the largest logistics companies in the world on our platform as well. You know, I just read a post from uh, some sales guy on LinkedIn. He was talking about the freight tech market, right? And he was talking about the challenges of selling in a market where a lot of people still have those AS400s that you just mentioned. How have you cracked the code of getting people off the AS400 and into new freight tech? Well, not through the front legacy. Uh, oh, are we losing Mustafa? Guys, can you throw a... F- next three, six... We got a phoner we can throw up on Mustafa so we can have this lovely conversation. How you doing, Mustafa? We're losing you for a second there. Your hotel Wi-Fi ain't up to snuff. He's gone, gone? All right, we're going to have to wait for him to... We're going to have to wait to him, for him to come back. I, he's got some double brokering and fraud stories that he's going to share with us. Will they work on getting him back? Let's jump over to Meanwhile. I, I think she might be. Mama, what are you doing? And, oh, no, 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 no. Mama. Mom, get your baby. Go ahead, Mama. Go on. Get your baby. Get your baby, Mama. There you go. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mama. At least she went after it. I was scared she wasn't going to. Oh, the males. Wow. All right. Hey, guys, in the back, we got Mustafa back. Any luck on that? Can I have an update? No no luck on Mustafa, but you know what? I see the lovely Chris Gonzalez is already sitting in there in the bullpen, so I'm going to just talk with him while I'm sitting here. Chris, what's up, man? What's going on there, Dooner? Dude, where are you hanging out right now? I am in Kissimmee, Florida. I happen to see a Puerto Rican restaurant, and obviously, you know, that's just somewhere where I got to go eat. What uh? What, what's your what's your meal of choice at the Puerto Rican restaurant? Arroz con gandule con lechon, plátano, and pasteles. Oh, can ooh. you repeat that? No. Well, yeah. Go go throw it one more time <laughs> at us. <laughs> what does that say? You know, I was I was going to ask you a little later into the interview what F two F transports up to, but let's start there while we're waiting for Cody and before we get into the uh, the NASCAR experience. What's happening yeah. over at F two F Transport, my friend? Man, a lot of good things are actually happening. So F2F is an owner-operator agent company. We're 100% owner-operator, you know, agent-driven. Our owner-operators choose to do as they please. If they want to work the market, if they want to work uh, within the relationships with our agents, uh, loud, you know, kind of works both ways. We're running flatbed. We're running van. So whatever the market's doing better in, these guys have an opportunity to flex with. Nice. How is that right now? Is it easier to find an owner-operator in 2023 than it was in 2022, or is it harder? Oh, no, by sure. The owner-operators are out there, right? It's just a matter of, you know, where's that owner-operator at? What's that market looking like? Where he's at? Can he be profitable? Um, I know many owner-operators right now who have hung up their keys until the market changes, and some other guys are sticking it out there. So it's the regular swings of trucking. Nice. Well, what are you learning this year from uh, at this position? What are you learning from the drivers? What are you learning from yourself? 
Oh, we always got to win, right? That's kind of the, one of the biggest things, is I got to say about. And unfortunately, this last weekend I did not win, but you know, obviously, I'll win at the agent program when it comes to it. Um, I would say that the owner operators right now are more inclined to listen to what's going on. You know, what can they do to be able to better their business? How can they get smarter about learning what their rate per mile is, and you know what those costs are within that rate per mile. Um, and a lot of guys are, are really starting to learn that because they might have jumped in three years ago when the market was so good that you really didn't need to know those what those metrics were and you could have been successful. But now that things have changed, you know, partnerships with our advocates at F2F and our contractors, they're able to work together on, okay, how do I, how do I get smarter about running my trucking business? Got to be smarter right now. We're playing on hard mode. You know, w- I'll come back to you when Cody jumps in. We'll jump into this NASCAR thing. But my my previous guest has fixed his connection. I don't know if you know the wonderful Mustafa. You, I know you're the second most handsome guy in freight, but I, I think Mustafa might be the most handsome. So I'm going to jump back to him real quick, Chris. I'll be right back to you. Mustafa, what happened over there? Did you unplug your phone line? Man, I'm in uh, Silicon Valley and I don't get internet. You would think like the the height of tech would have the gig like we do here in Chattanooga, but apparently not. I guess not. Hey, tell me some bro- double brokering stories, man. You when you texted me before we did this interview, you said you you have some crazy ones. Yeah, there was one. Well, there's a few of them, right? Uh, I, when I worked behind, I gave this carrier maybe like 15 ship, and then the next day the track and and said, hey, this guy's moving 15 shipments for four customers and uh, they haven't moved. So I took things into my own hands and I drove to the guy's office. Oh, did you? So what, did. Happened, uh, what happened when you got there? It was, it, it was a pretty sketchy situation. It was, like, it was like a sweatshop over there when I got there. And then um, talked to the owner for a while had him drive me to the yard where he was double brokering all the freight. And um, I kind of had him show me all the different trailers. And then I stayed there with him for 14 hours until every single one got uh, shipped out and delivered. And (laughs) I came back the next day, there was a couple more trailers left and then they all got delivered. uh, Eventually Uh, he was trying to basically pick up all the freight and then double broker them to owner operators power only. That might have been kind of like, how did that conversation go? It seems like it would be kind of awkward if you went in there and you're like, hey, that's my freight right here. Yeah. Uh, to this day, you can ask people at JB Hunt. Nobody's ever done that because they would just like freight guard report him. But, you know, sometimes you got to take things into your own hand. But honestly, the way I solved that is uh, I said, look, we're a large company and you're a partner to us and you want to do the right thing here. Because if you try to hold on to this, it's going to get really bad at you. And I kind of just showed him the right path and he took that right path. And at the end of the day, you know, like um, you got to do what's right for people and and help people and kind of show them the right path. And I feel like everybody has the good in them to do that. But um, really, you know, I've seen a lot of hype on double brokering and whatnot. And the reality of the situation is that there's no tool out there that can perfectly catch double brokers because if people are very smart and they can get around it, what really it comes down to is building uh, particular 
tips and tricks into your company culture, uh, like basically making sure you talk to the driver uh, once you dispatch that load, checking bin numbers with their insurance company. The reality is that 80% of the employees that we have in logistics companies, they take shortcuts. Um, and even if they're in care relations, and our goal is to actually enable them to understand better what they're doing. Yeah, but like, for if they're not good guys, did you bring like a posse with you? Did you bring a like a Louisville slugger? Like, what do you do in case this goes south? It was scary, man. There was a lot of weird fellas in there. It was like twelve to one. It was just me, uh, and it could have gotten real sketch because when you walk there, I'm not kidding you. It was like literally a sweatshop, and they had like all these like, I don't know. I remember like turtle tanks and fish tanks all over the place and they all had like their food on their desk and like they were like one guy was smoking weed in the parking lot (laughs) and just had to go through that man i was like vision just stay focused (laughs) jeez john wick you almost got fed to the turtles you know they could have chopped you up and got rid of you in a second over there i think john wick is like the best recorded action movie in all time right now have you seen john wick four it's so good the problem is I watched one, two, and three before putting on four, and then I got bored of four because it's it's a lot of kicking in the face. It makes you numb after a while of watching like the same gung fu over and over again. So I still got to finish it. I have like an hour left of the movie. I just I ran out of gas. I saw it in the theater. The cinematography is like in terms of fighting, it's one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, you want to see some cinematography? Take a look at this strap work right here. Look at this. Uh, look at this truck going down the road. Roll roll this one, baby. Yeah, here we go. Look at this guy right here. How do you rate that strap work? Oh, it's like me putting on Ooh. my wedding suit. Look at that thing. Just all the belts and buttons just bursting off. You know, maybe some kid was going to drive on that road and get an accident, get hurt. And that guy saved that kid's life by blocking that road that day. Glass is half full, baby. The glass is half full, even when it's uh, broken on the side of the pavement. What's the, what's the worst strap work you've seen? So um, one time I um, paid this uh, carrier uh, to move like this million dollar machine on a flatbed. Um, and he was supposed to deliver it to the consignee with no other freight. And it was a small piece. So again, he double brokered and tried to put more freight on it. And, um, he arrived with like, instead of delivering the other freight in San Diego first, and then going to LA, he derived, <laughs> because it was less miles and he's so lazy. He decided to come to LA with the other freight on it. And it was 14, horse statues strapped on top of each other so you want to talk about trojan horse (laughs) that was the worst strap work i've ever seen what do you do if someone books a nine-piece bucket but they decide to put a 12-piece bucket on your flatbed you get more barbecue sauce (laughs) wow yeah the the kfc barbecue sauce is pretty good too underrated people always go with the gravy but sometimes you gotta grab that barbecue sauce i mean how big is that chicken (laughs) it would be be like you know monster size it's gotta be flatbed size Mustafa, thank you so much for stopping by the show today i really appreciate your time people want to find zoom or they want to find you at this plug and play event you're at where are you where do they find you man we're like the concept of now we're everywhere just go on our linkedin go on our website and connect with us I can't wait until you have the Apple vision and we can just look at each other through goggles. I can't wait to see you in person, buddy. I can't wait. See, are you goat. in Cleveland? Coming to Cleveland? Yep. All right. We'll see you in a yes, couple sir. weeks then. We'll see you in a couple weeks, Mo. Hey, thank you so much for stopping right, by the show. I see you guys in Cleveland. All right. Take it easy, brother. Bye. Good times out there. All right, man. And now it is the other two participants in the race to define the logistics industry, the NASCAR experience to prove 
who the fastest podcast in freight is. It's Cody Bullock from Clean Harbors and Chris Gonzalez from F2F Transport. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hello. Hey, what's happening, Cody? How uh, Where are you sitting right now? I like the uh, artwork behind you. A lot of good artwork on today. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Dinner. I was actually talking with the guy behind the scenes. I'm like, how do I get a background up? I got one with Clean Harbors and Safety Clean branding. And <laughs> and he's like, no, we can't do that. So I was like, all right, well, welcome to uh, the art show back here. I have two lovely young daughters who keep me um, surprised with the new new artwork from month to month. Kindred spirits. I got two young boys, so very, very familiar with the game. So we kind of set the table on this on Monday, we were talking about the NASCAR racing experience. I had cents per miles. Charles Gracie on the show. He, he finished in, in second place. It was a phenomenal time. But, Cody, you're even deeper in this. You're the one who invited us all out this. Tell us a little bit about how Clean Harbors works with NASCAR and how this whole NASCAR racing experience all came together. Yeah, gosh, wasn't that a good time, Dooner? I mean, that was that was awesome, man. It was a lifetime, like, bucket list type of event. Um, and, and I do have to give a shout out to Chris. I think he was the original person to network this together and, and clean Harbor is definitely part of that with that relationship with NASCAR. So, uh, you know, at clean harbors, it's really about to our core, we're about sustainability. Um, and, and that's not just about consuming fewer resources, right? But clean harbors is about finding those sustainable solutions for companies around North America. So we can continue to, um, protect and, and keep natural, uh, all across North America's environment. So Safety Clean, a Clean Harbors company, has a 40-year relationship with NASCAR. And so we're really proud of that. That relationship serves a lot of purposes, um, definitely in regards to that sustainability goal. Um, and so Safety Clean collects all of NASCAR's used motor oils at all their tracks around the country. Um, and you blow that back up to like a higher level. So Safety Clean collects over 135 million gallons of used motor oil a year. And that's something? That is something. I, and you told me that when we were in line there and um, it made a lot of sense, but like, I didn't realize that at first. And then I was like, okay, this relationship, it's all starting to come together now. Chris, what would look, actually roll this tape right here. This is a tape of our experience. Chris, tell me how, how you felt at this event. This is the same. Oh, it was great. I mean, just, you know, first of all, I, I, I love the engines. I, I ride my Harley and I just love that roar. And when I got in that car and you're sitting there and you get you get it started, you just sit there and you're just like, all right, how's that gas pedal feel? And you go ahead and just push it a little bit and you're like, all right, this is good. <laughs> so you knew it was going to be a fun day going forward. I know. You know, I was a little, you and I were a little nervous. It's like, you know, we're not the smallest guys on earth. And it's like, are they going to have <laughs> jumpsuits for us? And unfortunately they did, as you saw in that picture. Mine fit like a glove. It was nice. Yours was, yours was a little snug. Cody and uh, Charles, they, they looked uh, like theirs were tailor-made for them. But then we found out the, the other thing. Good thing they had a special race car. Because race cars are small. If you're like a bigger dude, you're, you're over six feet or you're over 200 pounds, you might be like, ah, is it going to be crammed in there? Yes, with uh, two particular cars, but they have two cars that are designed for bigger dudes to jump inside. We got to drive in that Miller Lite car, and um, I think 127 is the fastest I'll admit to have going on a roadway. How about you, Cody? <laughs> how, how, how fast did you get up to, and how'd you feel, how were you feeling out there? Oh, man, it was exhilarating. Um, so I ended up at 126.67. So I got to make uh, Charles, rep you know, um, respect of that one, that point six seven <laughs> that he left off some of his his posts. Um, but, man, it was great. I was a little apprehensive going in. I think most people a little apprehensive going to, to the track to do this type of thing. But 
um, from from the word go, they really they set you down safety first, right? So you go through a class, go through the, the video, track education, the do's and don'ts, it starts to calm the nerves a little bit. Then you get to observe for a while and watch some folks in front of you go and you're like, you know what? The excitement builds and you get pumped. I got in there and um, like Chris said, you start you, you shift a little bit, you test out the throttle and you're like, let's go, man. The blood starts pumping and it's a great time. Those you know, turns I, hug I you would- tight. I was uh, I, I was catching the bug, man. I have an obsessive personality, so like I went I went racing, and next thing you know, I'm watching Talladega Nights. I'm watching uh, Days of Thunder, which they uh, as of last year they put into 4K, so they got a nice little uh, Tony Scott film. If no one's seen it from the 90s, got that mellow yellow car in it. Rubbing is racing, I think, is the probably the most memeiest line from that baby right there. Know what the cool thing is though? Like Atlanta Motor Speedway, I drove by it all the time. Always wanted to race it. You can do it here, but with NASCAR racing experience. You like Talladega? You like Daytona? They got those. You can go to these marquee tracks and actually not just have an experience of being in the car, but the experience of being on the track, which is just as much part of it as being in the vehicle itself. And I would agree with you there, Dooner. I mean, like yesterday I was over at Daytona track. I'm just standing over there and I'm like, look, looking at that long stretch and that long stretch is so much further, you know? Oh, yeah, it is. You know, I did a smaller track in Connecticut once, and you didn't really get the straightaway speed to pick up. This was a different kind of car. I don't even think I even hit the, the, the brake once when driving it. Everything is just like RPM controlled once you get into that fourth gear, and you're just waiting for that spotter to give you the go-ahead to go up another 1,000 RPMs and uh, try to set that speed record. <laughs> you did good, Dooner. We're really proud of you. Rough start. Well, it's all about the way you finish, as you said. Well, it was like yeah, I was. Like, I told uh, Charles I was like the pod racer in, in you know the the pod Anakin's pod race in the Phantom Menace. It just took me a second to get off the line, but you know you guys were like this uh, this Apolva out there, and I was able to get past you. But I got to say something. Can we can can this become a circuit? Can we start a circuit here and challenge other teams and like make this a thing? Where can we go with this? I think that's a I think that's a great idea. We need to see some more characters involved with it. I gotta agree. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all in. Um, I, I'm all in doing the the Clean Harbor Safety Clean relationship with NASCAR. I was actually talking to some family members yesterday about the experience and said, you know, this is the type of thing where you're like, maybe it's a bucket list that I do like all 17 tracks. I think it's 17 they do <laughs> over the course of your life. You just make the tour, um, do the experience on all of those iconic locations. That would be awesome. You know, you've been doing some other iconic stuff. A company I have here almost every Christmas is Reits Across America. Clean Harbors just did a, uh, you just moved some stuff for them for Veterans Day. Tell me a little bit about that experience. How? What's the relationship between Clean Harbors and Reits? Yeah, so um, really excited this year. Um, so we got to dedicate a military-wrapped truck to an Army veteran of ours, Rob Roy. Uh, so there's some some videos uh, out there online and at our um corporate webpage. And and so we're really excited to be able to extend that. There's Rob right there on the screen. So that is one beautiful truck uh, representative of all the armed forces wreaths across America there and those images imposing that American flag. Um, And so Rob's a special driver for us, his years of service and some recent family loss. And and this meant a lot to him personally and professionally. So we're excited to see that bad boy run through Arlington this year. Um, Very emotional moment for him there. Um, so we're excited to, to have that partnership with Reese across America this year. You know, another thing you were telling me about, and also, Hey, a little cowbell for that relationship. You are, you are the goat, sir. Uh, another thing I thought was cool. I was telling you, I took my boys out in Chattanooga to a monster truck rally and it was, it was not like 
the big name monster trucks. Like instead of Grave Digger, they had like Burial Plot. Like instead of like like the Great White Shark, they had I don't know like Guppy or something like that. But you guys had these like in your parking lot. What was or at Gillette Stadium over in my neck of the woods, Norwell, Mass? What was going on here? Yeah, it's uh, it's a great day for the event, the, the the community and the Clean Harbors employees up there locally. I've yet to make it up for one of those, so uh, maybe I can get up there this year. You can tag along with me. Um, just a community event, right? So other partnerships and, and partner, uh, sponsorships we have. So excited. There's a corporate office right there in Norwell, Mass. Um, so yeah, it's just a wonderful stretch out to the community there to, to drive some engagement and awareness. Wow. Well, we, maybe we can all get in some of those monster trucks and crush uh, Charles Gracie's truck. We can just run right <laughs> over that thing. <laughs> yeah. So let's, uh, let's do all the 17 NASCAR tracks and then we'll move over to the uh, monster truck races. How about it? <laughs> Now, Cody, I know you have a hard stop at 1230 and you wanted to get something out there about your owner operator program. Take it away. Sure. I appreciate that. Um, so Safety Clean, as I mentioned earlier, that's a Clean Harbors company, um, drives a lot of the sustainability through the liquid hazardous waste. And I come into play in the Clean Harbor side with our national transportation line of business, which is going to be that internal trucking company, right? That private fleet or the class A over the road type of driver profile. Um, we have a wonderful contractor owner operator program as well. And so we've, we've doubled over See, the last 12 to 18 months, we've about doubled that fleet and we're looking to see that growth continue. And um, we offer a wonderful private fleet package, right? So we pay for all miles driven. Um, when your wheels stop turning, we pay for all miles while you're sitting. Good um, hourly rate for that. Um, no additional fees either, Dooner. So we pay for the ELDs. Uh, we, we pay for uh, plates, registration, you name it. We try to supply that and take that cost off the owner operator because our internal business model really gets back to that sustainability mission. And so as a business owner, you can come into Clean Harbors, the National Transportation Division, and build your business based on you know, projecting revenue, right? So it's internal freight about 90% of the time. So you know what your asset's going to be bringing in month to month, year to year. Sets that baseline. You're able to expand that business, add trucks. In the past year, we've had numerous single truck owners go to two and three trucks just because of that consistent freight, that consistent way to build the business. So it's been a phenomenal last year and a half for us at Clean Harbors. Cody, thank you so much. And thank you so much for bringing us down to that NASCAR trek. Let's keep that momentum going. Keep doing them th those good services. And Chris, before I let you go, one thing I saw that you put on your LinkedIn was you want some help supporting trucking, supporting veteran nonprofit organizations. They've got a silent auction going in. Can you uh, tell us about that? Yeah, so the Freedom Classic is actually tomorrow in Oxford, Alabama. Um, I'll actually send the link if you wanted to share the link on your site. But uh, we have a silent auction. There's a monster rifle. There's a NASCAR racing experience on there that you could bet on. There's coolers. There's uh, Jack Nicholas signed autographs, flags, uh, various other items. So all the proceeds from the event are going to uh, two nonprofit organizations, Reach Across America and to Waypoint Vets, which is a nonprofit organization that essentially empowers veterans uh, through adventure and healing. Um, a great organization. It's at waypointvets.org. For those of you who have never heard of it, check it out at waypointvets.org. Um, you can also, like I said, silent auction. It's the Freedom Classic. Chris, always doing the Lord's work out there. Thank you so much for checking out. Thank you to both of you. Everybody go check out Clean Harbors if you want those jobs. And as Chris told us at the beginning, F2F has some great opportunities going. Check out F2F Transport. Gentlemen, until the next race, thank you for stopping by. Appreciate it, Dooner. Thank you, Dooner. Really enjoyed it. Don't be a stranger. Good guys over there. All right, everybody, elsewhere, let's see what's happening. Coming out the door. That's actually kind of a cool device, too. He's got like a roller... 
pizza warming suitcase. He's knocking on the door. What the, what the hell is that? <laughs> what the hell just... The caption says it's a monkey, but like that, I don't. Is that a monkey? That's a, is that a guy in a suit? Is that a monkey? Is that an anteater? What the hell is that creature? I have to, guy in a costume, a dog. I'm not really sure. Guys in the back, you think that's a monkey? I got to take a poll. Guys in the back, is that a monkey? Okay, they say it's a monkey. I don't know. Super truckers here now. Justin Martin. Is that a monkey? What was that creature, man? I didn't think it was a monkey. That, that's a viral, that was a viral video from uh, probably about six months ago, I think. It was kind of dressed like uh, Michael Jackson in the Thriller video, not like the red jacket. You know when he takes a date to the yeah. theater and he's got the football jacket on? That's yeah. kind of how that monkey was. Maybe that was Bubbles. Where has Bubbles been? Oh, yeah, who knows? Hopefully living a nice retirement somewhere. Now, you know, you and I are both, we're, we're into tech, we're dorks. I may be a little bit more cynical than you about it, um, especially when it comes to AR and VR. They've been trying to sell me... VR since like there were VR arcades in like the 90s. I remember being like a young teenager and they were trying to sell those things and the lawnmower man and all that stuff. Well, Apple does as Apple does. They try to refine it. Roll this ad here. Here's the new thing. As you see, it's a big pair of goggles that you throw on your face. Um, I was I was listening to uh, Marcus Brownlee. I don't know if you guys know him. He is a YouTuber. He's a really big YouTuber in the tech space. And he gave this really down-to-earth rundown. He got to wear it for a half hour. And he said the good and the bad. And he said the good is that some of the tech in here is at, like, unseen before. Some of the eye tracking that's going on in there. Um, the quality of the displays, two 4K by displays that you have going on. Stereophonic, outside recording. That All of those things are, are new, cool things. But he also talked about how it's like the Apple Watch 1 and how it's different than other headsets. And one of the issues is that when you see most headsets, they look cheaper, right? They look like they're made of plastic. But there's a good reason for that. Plastic is lightweight. This, this helmet, he said, is pretty heavy because it's metal and it's glass, and it's got that strap. And even though you have like a side battery pack that they took out of the helmet, it still weighs on you like a lot of other masks do after 30 minutes. Justin, what were your impressions of this? Well, first thing I thought was, okay, there's no live demonstration. Like Steve Jobs will always get up on stage, and he's like, check out our new product. And he would do like a live rundown. Sometimes they work great. Sometimes there's like, you know, hilarious videos where like the product doesn't work, and he just like throws it at the engineering team <laughs> in the audience. Um so it, it, it's kind of a bummer to me to see that like Apple's going in the direction of these like really sleek, like high production uh, pre-rendered videos. There's no like real time demonstration of like, what the product does. Who? Well, I, I mean, that would be a little cha- to be honest, that would be a little challenging on stage because sure. how would you see what someone's seeing without a simulation? But I got to say that ad right there, I think they made a pretty big misstep. And that was having a parent playing with their kid with that mask on. That is like the dystopian stuff mm-hmm. that you don't want yeah, in people's yeah. mind about, by, oh, we're going to buy everyone in the house going to have these on. No one's going to interact with the kids anymore. We're, you know, it's, it's going to be this super huge dystopian, dystopian thing. You think this could have a, it's, it's, it's expensive, right? It's 3,500 bucks. It starts at, I should say it starts at 3,500 bucks. Yeah. You see this over time. Like, you, you know, you see everyone looking at their, you go to a restaurant, you see everyone look at their phones. Now you go and there's like all the kids looking at their tablets with the headphones on. Next 10 years, it's going to be everybody just with their goggles on, you know, while they're, while they're mm. eating their food. See, I don't believe you. I, see, I don't think this is going to do that well in the consumer market. And the main reason is I, it, it looks cool until you wear a headset. I, I, I guarantee you, go out and just yeah. borrow like your, your cousin's Quest 2, right? It's going to seem cool for the first 15 minutes, the first 20 minutes maybe even. 
you start getting a half hour into you start getting seasick. You know, you start getting seasick. Yeah. It starts to mess you. It's over your eyes. And the weird thing about this one is, you know, like the eyeball, the face thing you can see through the goggles? That actually isn't yeah. a pass-through. That's not a mirror. That's another screen that is like a virtual version of your yeah. eyeballs. Yeah, every, everything's becoming the Uncanny Valley. My dad, when he was in the Air Force, he was a helicopter pilot, and he kind of recalled when they first got like the first generation night vision goggles, it was like a 10 pound goggle on the front of you and a 10 pound battery on the yeah. back. And he said the next train on those things was, was insane. Obviously these are a lot more lightweight, but it's one thing to like be staring at your phone for hours at a day at a time at a day, but in the day, but having that strapped to your forehead. Um, now nah, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know who's more cynical me or you on this. Well, I, I, I think it's because we're both gamers, too, so we're experiencing one of the best use yeah. cases is gaming, and even in gaming, it's limited, and we know people who've gotten these headsets, or, or ourselves have used them, and the games that are made for them, like, if you're a gamer, there's better console games you can just look at a screen that are way more engrossing, that are way more consuming. Yeah. This is an experience, but it's not a replacement, and I hate the marketing that goes, this is going to replace your desktop. It absolutely is not going to replace your, it's not going to replace yeah. anything. It Maybe you could say it's an enhancement, but it's not replacing anything at this moment. And someone was like, oh, you're going to track shipments on it. Maybe one day. Google, I mean, Microsoft and Google tried this with the AR overlays, but like for consumers, Justin, I think you have to put these in Ray-Bans or contact lenses, and then you have a market. Like these would like yeah. if I'm at like our event, right? Sometimes I go to conferences and I know people just from like their picture on LinkedIn, but I don't know what they look like in human, like in person. Oh yeah, <laughs> human. Uh, it would be cool to have like a little <laughs> AR that maybe like show, like reminded you like who this person was and like maybe some notes or something. Yeah, I am the worst at that. I am really good with faces, but terrible, terrible, terrible with names. Like I'll I'll see people's profile pictures all the time. I'm like, okay, I know that person, or maybe if I like argued with them back and forth on Twitter or whatever. But then when I see them in person, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> what's their name? Now, how about that eye-tracking tech, right, that they're building? You think that we're going to see those in th – that tech will mutate inside the cab? We already have cameras in the cab that will dock you in safety if you're, you're not looking. They're kind of remedial, though. I'm sure they would like better tech on those things. And uh, if you look at this tech, the way it can tell exactly where your hands are, like this could be yeah. – this is a, an incredibly powerful spying tool. Like George Orwell, yeah. someone, you know, George Orwell, he's, he's like the government's going to put the listening device in the, the, the screen in your house. And no, people are willingly maybe going to put this on their face and record everything around them. There'll be their own surveillance. I, bill. And I guarantee you I, law enforcement will have a pipeline. I guarantee you. <laughs> I guarantee, just like the ring doorbell, I guarantee you law enforcement will have a pipeline into this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, the, the days of like needing a warrant are over. They just, you know, ask politely and they just get all the data they want. Remember, there was that fight a few years ago in Oakland. Wasn't it Oakland? They were trying to get the information from someone's phone. And it was this big fight because Apple wouldn't give it away. And that was like, that was th the barrier that broke. And now, like, yeah, our data's to, to whoever needs it, I guess. Well, that's because of the encryption. They wanted de Apple to break the encryption. Yeah. And Apple's like, we literally cannot. It's like a law of math. Yeah. Well, I think they showed him, though. They're like, all right, yeah, actually, we can. All right, here you go. Get <laughs> someone else will do it. Hey, Justin, you're breathing a sigh of relief, man. There's uh, Safety and Health Magazine reports truck drivers in Washington State will have access to restrooms at establishments where they're picking up and delivering goods under this new law. It was signed May 4th by Governor Jay Inslee. It's called House Bill 1457. It dictates that shippers and consignees provide restroom access to drivers if the restroom is located in an area where providing access wouldn't create an obvious health or safety risk to the motor carrier. So no more signs that say, like, employee use only or no more outdoor use or no more uh, no use by you guys. Here's the thing. You don't have to build a new bathroom for this one, and it goes into effect July 23rd. But Overdrive said this might set a precedent. Now they're looking at this bill on a national level. Give me your impressions of this. 
there's like all kinds of different takes you can have on it because the, the wording in that is very sneaky where it says, you know, as long as it wouldn't have an impact on like the health and safety uh, of the workforce. So what a lot of shippers started doing uh, during COVID was instead of having a sign <laughs> saying no drivers using restrooms, they just say, oh, sorry, COVID can't come in the building. And I think that's going to get like even we're going to we're going to see like a, a tension between COVID safety measures versus like um, this is kind of like a new version of like the remember when the ADA was like a big thing, like everyone had to have like handicap ramps and, and handicap accessible restrooms. Now it's like if you have any truck driver coming into your business, you have to provide them a, a restroom just as if they were uh, an outside customer coming in from like a sales team or something. I, I'm part of me is like, this is, I'm glad this has happened because, you know, as a truck driver, when you got to go, you got to go. And, um, you try to provide the best service you can to your shipper receiver. And you would like to have that returned in kind. There's no worse feeling than when you get to somewhere and they take five, six, seven, eight hours to unload you. And then they also on top of that, won't let you use the restroom. That's it's yeah, it's, we've all done it to ourselves at this point. Yeah, but what are like the so what are the libertarian truckers saying though? Like usually it would be against the regulation, even if it benefits them, right? Yeah. And that's the challenge of yeah. being an absolutist. That's 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 the trouble with being an absolutist yeah, it's, because it's, sometimes it's, you gotta be They're like like it's it's private property, they can do what they want, but at the same time it's like, you know, okay, what are you gonna do? Peanut pee in a bottle for the rest of your life? You know, you, you somebody there has to be some give and take on here. And if somebody's not gonna give, someone else has to take. Well, and here's the thing, I mean, that I think absolutists kind of have to understand, like, don't always cut your nose to spite your face. Like, we, we run under all sorts of regulations, right? So we're not, we're not in an absolute or idealist, non-regulated society. So sometimes you can weaponize those things to your own advantage, and maybe it's a good idea, especially so you don't, you know, get your pants wet on the way to the bathroom. Yeah, I'm always rooting for the truck drivers, so I, I, to me, this is a win for the drivers. How about this one here? So a new report came out, and it's kind of surprising Trucker fatalities are down for drivers not wearing seatbelts. Justin, what is with drivers not wearing seatbelts when they're trucking? I think it's a generational pride thing. You know, a lot of guys grew up before the seatbelt man- mandatory laws came into effect, and it's just kind of carried on into their driving careers. Uh, when I was a supervisor at the post office, uh, when we upgraded our fleet to the new international trucks, those trucks won't even go into gear unless you have your seatbelt on. So we started noticing guys were like, plug the passenger side seatbelt into the driver's side seat to get around the, um, you know, restrictions that the truck implements. Um, some guys were even like ordering those like quote unquote Jeep off-road Jeep, um, seatbelt bypass things off, off of like eBay and stuff and using those as well. Um, I don't, I don't know. Most, most guys, I don't know anyone my age that doesn't wear a seatbelt either in their personal vehicle or in the truck. And yeah, it's click it or take it. like six, 64% of drivers who died, uh, behind the wheel, truck drivers who drive behind the wheel weren't wearing the seatbelt. To me, that that number is kind of that's a little high. They had better like propaganda ads when we were kids about putting like seatbelts mm-hmm. on. They would have better like public service announcements. But if you look at these this data here, um, in 2017 there was 4,587 crashes, went up a little bit in 2018 to 4,600, 2019 4,700, 2020 4,800, and then you get to 2021 and it's 5,370. Now, granted, there was so much freight out on the roads. Obviously. There's going to be more accidents, and the percentage actually didn't change. 2018 percentage, 2021 percentage, 64% of fatalities were drivers not wearing safety belts, although uh, nearly 100 more died in 2021. It seems sort of crazy to me. We put a poll out here, right, and of our listeners, 81% said that they do wear a seatbelt, but a disturbing 18% said they do not. Yeah, and I don't understand the reasoning behind it. You know, if you're driving an 80,000-pound vehicle, 
you know, you, you're, it's, it's up to you to maintain your safety. So, you, you know, follow your safety distance, um, you know, watch your speed, but then also you, you got to take care of yourself too. Wear your, wear your stupid seatbelt. Obviously when you get in the yard, that's a whole different story. You know, I don't know any driver that wants to wear the seatbelt while they're in the yard. That, oh, yeah. That's kind of drilled into you early on. You know, you got, if you got to bail out of the truck by all means, but yeah, I, I don't understand the, the not wearing the seatbelt. So if anyone wants to chime in and change my mind, <laughs> Yeah, you're not, not going to change it, but I definitely want to hear the reasoning why why the why they don't want to wear the seatbelt. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't mean to put the fear of God in you, but you should wear your seatbelt. And like we said here, 65 percent of those deaths were someone wearing yeah. a seatbelt. You could reduce that dramatically just by taking the the opportunity to to click it. Is it is it uncomfortable? Does, does it get uncomfortable? Is a semi seatbelt just un, like wicked uncomfortable after 10 hours? No, I mean you can adjust it however you want. You, yeah. There's a slider on the side of you that adjusts, you know, the tension on your neck. Um, you know, wear it however you want. Yeah, I would think so. Like I've been on long road trips. Like the seat, I don't even know if the seatbelt's there. Like unless like I'm really yeah. like trying and, to butts around. Like, or... I have a beard. Like it, I don't get it caught. In my, I don't get it caught in the beard at all. You know, you put it on, you pull the beard over, good to go. Oh, you don't buckle your beard in. No, it's, it's over the seatbelt. <laughs> it's, it's long enough to. Look at flatbedders. There's a new trend going on. Well, this isn't really a new trend, but maybe it's just getting more crazier. I want you to rate the strap work here. And it's putting a, a lot of trucks will do this. You see a flatbed and they'll put a little truck strapped on the back afterwards. But this guy, he went with like what? He's got four Tonka trucks hanging out on his flatbed. Yeah, I guess he didn't want to do the whole like roll them and twist them up and lock them away. And if he's got the trucks, I, I want to know, did he buy those trucks or are these ones that like he found? on site somewhere no i love this 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 is it it puts a smile on your face whenever you see something like this yeah but what let's take a dark turn here what if he's a serial killer and those trucks are from like other flatbedders that he's he's killed along the way remember in universal soldier uh there's the guy who was taking people's ears and he was making a necklace out of ears this is like that maybe (laughs) uh i hope not i hope that's not the case do you think like our listeners under 35 have ever heard of universal soldier they probably don't even know like the joys of jcvd yeah, and got how many sequels? There's like seven of them, I think. Yeah. That re- the know. franchise refuses to die, just like the soldiers in the movie. They got to know Bloodsport, at least. You guys know yeah. the story of Frank uh, Dukes and Bloodsport in the back? They got nothing. Zoomers, man. It just said the B-Seek. This is sad. This is very, very sad. <laughs> you know, it's also sad, the market. Let's see how the market's treating this. Uh, I think she's a broker over here. Let's take a look. Me again, here to about the freight market surprise new and different i know but it's never gonna it's never gonna stop amazing me and by amazing i mean make me homicidal i have a driver that's gonna be ready to go in denver in about an hour an hour hour and a half and so i'm scouring all my avenues including the load boards which is typically you know not the business but you do what you got to do and this load has been up all morning. It's an oversized load, which typically pay really well. No, no. Going from Aurora to Columbus, 1,249 miles, 35,000 pounds, for a rate of $2,900. It's oversized, so it needs permits. And it's paying two thirty-two a mile. Yeah, rate for just a typical load. Yuck! All right, Never drop her down, Justin. Let's needs- talk about this, Joe. How do yeah. you feel about that load right there? It's terrible. And she said it's been up all morning. I hope it stays up 
all month and nobody takes that load. No, nobody should. I hope no one's stupid enough to take a load like that. Do you think that were the permits a uh, and like an oversight, not putting that in, in the load thing? Maybe that was a, like a broker who didn't know what he was doing. How much do those permits typically cost? I honestly don't know. I know they're not cheap because depending on the state, you know, you might need a, a escort. I don't think I got a load like that one. It didn't look like it was, uh, it was 37,000 pounds. So um, at least you don't need like overweight permits as well. It's just oversized. Um, now, I, I really hope it's the case of like somebody not knowing what they were doing. And I hope everybody called them and like gave them a piece of their mind because that, that should have never been posted in the first place. Yeah. Is it worth calling and giving a piece of your mind or just like just ignoring? No. Is it just, just, just ignore, ignore them. just block? There are so, uh, there are like countless videos on TikTok of like some driver arguing with a broker over the phone, just going back and forth. And it's like, if I was that guy in, in that position, if I was the driver, yeah. I would say, lose my number, click. That's, that's as far as the conversation we get with some of these rates. Yeah, my younger days, I used to waste time like arguing like with people. And it's like, if it doesn't change anything and it doesn't benefit me, no. like I'm much better off in my life just doing something positive and just building and moving yeah. on to something that will work than like what doesn't work. Yeah, no, it, it, most of these guys are just venting. I get it. I, t- I get why they're doing it. But again, like you said, it's not changing. It's not making anything better. Yeah. Let's hear some tales from the CB radio. Let's see what's going on in the cab with this driver. Have you ever gotten in a feud over the CB? Not in a, not in a feud, but there's definitely some trash talk going back and forth. That's one of the nice things about driving through a city is like the CB comes alive. It's not just the same idiot in a shack in New Mexico bouncing off the sky, hogging up the channel. There's actually people like chattering back and forth because the drive sucks. So you got to make you know some some joy out of it. What, what's the like? What's like the weirdest thing you heard over the CB? Oh man. Gary, Indiana, there was this guy that used to come on the radio offering like his services at the TA truck stop and uh, not, not suitable for uh, this broadcast. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Oh, okay. (laughs) Called himself the Indiana banana. I'll leave it at that. I get, I get it. I get it. Fill in the rest. (laughs) The the lots are filled with bananas when that guy's getting around. Don't slip on his peel. Don't slip. Is there etiquette to like any of this? Like what, if you just keep like swearing away at people, what happens? Everyone shuts their CBs off and then gets into wrecks and then complains about nobody using the CB radio anymore. What's worse? <laughs> That's usually like, what happens. What's worse? Xbox like live chat or, or in terms of like, uh, like, like, like really just demented racism and, and off color comments or the CB? Um, I think the CB chatter is more clever because they're older guys and they've been at this longer. Whereas the, the kids on the Xbox are just screaming whatever the new hot phrase is. Ooh. Yeah, or the you know they they are the old timey ones, the old timey phrases that you don't want to say either. Um, I want to I, I want to know if like the current guys on the CB now grew up on the Xboxes, and that's why the chatter is getting so spicy now. Interesting. Well, you know, I talked to Mustafa earlier. He had that golden doodle. Uh, let's take a look at some dog beds for truckers right here. This dog is is sleeping nice. Nicer bed than me. You should just gassing that doggy up. She, I would like to see her gas up my dog, Randy Savage. She would go insane just bouncing up and down. No, you don't want something like that in your truck. You need like a mellow, a nice, mellow, cool dog to like watch the trees go by while you're driving. You don't want like some kind of 
crazy little yappy hype, hype dog while you're trying to drive. Well, she, you know, your dogs kind of mirror your energy. I think that she was, you know, she was gassing them up. She was bringing them to where she needs to be. She needed him to be a king. Do it at the the truck stop, not not while you're driving down the road. (laughs) Do it at the truck stop. Don't just gas her up. Um, Everyone also said, I said, is there like a specific dog bed that anyone recommends for a truck? And they just said, no, they don't really make a specific truck one. Just find a comfortable dog bed. So like the same kind you might throw in your house. Just make sure it fits. Yeah, that one was interesting because it was like a high box. Most of the time I see it's just like the same, the same dog. Like I have my cat bed right here. That would have been perfect for a small dog too. Do you gas your cat up like that? Or are you like, you the king, MFer? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really bad with uh, teeth teasing them. And then, of course, he claws up my arm, but it's worth it. Now, you're in an office. I've been an office drone. I was an office drone at FedEx Trade Networks. I was an office drone in the early part of my career. Most of the career I've been in. In offices, you are kind of, you're kind of like a quasi office drone because you're like hybrid and you hang around with plants and stuff. You don't really have the experience, yeah. but let's take a let's take a look at a day in a life that I think many of our listeners, especially those on the brokerage side, may relate to. And this is the story of the sad existence <laughs> of a single man. <laughs> it's only it's the music that makes it sad. This guy's living the life. I mean, he doesn't have a bad day. I mean, this is such like white people problems to think this is like awful, right? Exactly. He, he has an hour lunch to go home, play with his dog, go back. Nice backyard? Lunch. He's got a nice backyard. Uh, traffic didn't look too bad. Look at that. Hour and a half for lunch. Yeah. Goes back to work. He's done by 4.30. I'm not even done with work by 4.30. And then hits the gym. No, this guy's living the life. I know. I, I, everyone online was sort of crying, and they're like, "Yeah, this is like my awful life. How? How? What happened? What happened to could me?" Be a lot worse. You, yes. you could be stuck at a shipper receiver uh, for six hours with no restroom access. Yeah, and no but gym you, access. Oh, worse. And not your dog either that you get every day to come home and play with while you make your frozen meal. And then, here's the thing, though. Uh, Justin Wang, YouTuber Justin Wang, he said that this entire thing is probably one big troll because of this video. This the way he's pouring his beer right here. Do you see the yeah. way he was pouring that just a straight <laughs> the pour, over the beer? Yeah. The, the other theory I heard was if this is an ad for those pizzas right there. Oh, it could be. Yeah, he said they're super healthy. Yeah. I was like, are they really? Yeah. Are they? I don't know about that. No, nothing frozen that you microwave is healthy. No. No. Well, hey, something we talk about way too often on here, and something that happens way too often near me in the southeast, are truck-hitting trains. Look, this is the latest video of a recent truck train crash. And watch the truck driver as they get out of his car and the foolish decision they make not to get the hell away. As we have from Operation Lifesaver on here all the time, run at a parallel, run at a diagonal angle away from the truck because it's going to shoot debris. Run away from that truck. Don't run into its path where it's going to throw that stuff. The other thing you'll notice is the blue sign on there. You got to call that sign. Now, I don't know if they had enough time by the time they get stuck. We don't see enough of this video here. But man, that driver, it turns out she's a, a lady. According to WSB TV, a woman who appears to be the truck's driver stands perilously close to the cab. Um, that was a CSX train that went through it. Fortunately, nobody was harmed in this incident. Yeah, even if you have time to like call that um, number on the box, these trains are so long and so heavy now. It takes them miles to stop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, Call that, that box when you're safe. Like, don't, don't look at that. Run away from your truck first at a at yeah. a at a 45 degree angle away, like almost towards the train, at an angle towards the train. Because what's going to happen? It's going to hit that, and it's going to do what it just did. It's going to push all the debris towards the direction. Don't run away from the train. Run towards it, 45 degree angle. Yeah, and I I needed to take a close look at the intersection because it didn't look like it was a steep uh, 
you know, hump for that for that truck to get over. Maybe they had their landing gear down too low, or there was it's, a heavy load on that trailer. Stuck behind another. Who knows? I mean, there's like a few reasons yeah. these things happen. Well, one last thing. Let's end on a good note. Let's rate this jump shot right here, man. Where you throwing it? Oh, oh, I want to see that. Hold up. Let me see. Whoa. That was a nice pickup of the ball. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> oh, he's running out of the stadium, too. <laughs> Makes the hoop, but then gets hit by a car. That's all we need. I love New York. People can talk all they want about New York. New York will always be New York. It's always going to have some of that greatness to it, man. They have the best characters. New York is the main character. Well, hey, thank you so much for stopping by. Go find Super Trucker on, on, on Twitter, on the internet. Go follow us on social media, FW Up the Truck, on Twitter, on TikTok, wherever you get your stuff. Subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Like the audio version, you want to watch this live. It's on tv.freightwaves.com. It's on Twitter now. It's on uh, Freightwaves LinkedIn, Freightwaves Facebook, all those kind of things. Find me at Timothy Duna. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Take care, and don't be a stranger.